Hi everybody, welcome to episode 131 of Games My Mom Found. I am Mike Alberton, and who's swinging with me tonight? Uh, my name is Blair Farrell, and I'm super excited to be having this conversation in a safe place. <laughs> well, thank you for joining me. And where might people know you from? Well, I'm primarily the owner of comicbookvideogames.com. I'm also the author of the Web of Spider-Man games, which is available uh, digitally on the Amazon Kindle platform. And this year, I also authored the Avengers and video games. That's the title. There's a long subtitle that I sometimes stumble on, but that's uh, also available wherever books are sold from uh, fine publisher McFarland and Company. Nice. And there will be a link in the show notes to that to what you just said <laughs> and when, <laughs> when you guys look at the show notes for the website and things and also we have a patreon now right now each month you can you can take part in our patreon poll that we're doing this month is animated movie you can either vote if we're going to be watching batman master phantasm the tmnt turtles forever green lantern first flight or the marvel hulk first movie so as little as a dollar you can go on to our patreon you will see a link in the show notes and you can go and vote in our poll so you came on because we were talking about a game that I have actually never played before. <laughs> Spider-Man 2000, as, it, as most people call it, from, from Neversoft or PlayStation 1, 64, and other systems that came out back in, well, 2000. It's one of those games that somehow this game has always went under my radar, and I don't know why. <laughs> like, I was really surprised when I, we were, well, I was playing this for the show, and I'm like, I have never played this before. This is actually a pretty decent Spider-Man game. Yeah, it's, it's kind of astounding. I know... Um... For because I remember when it came out, uh, I think like Spider Man was kind of on a downturn, but just about it was right on that cusp of kind of rising again. Because like in the late 90s, like there wasn't the last Spider Man game was in 1996, it was for 32X and they printed like 4,000 copies. <laughs> oh my god, 32X. And then okay. like the comics like weren't doing great, it was in the middle of the clone saga, but then. This was kind of a kickoff of like, okay, here's the video game, and then the Ultimate Spider-Man comics kind of reinvigorated the books, and then in the mainline stories, like J. Michael Brzezinski came on and kind of had a new take on the character, and then like, then the movie started picking up steam. So this is kind of like at the height of that new Spider-Man renaissance that kicked off the millennium. Hey, this is when when was the Spider-Man movie again? Was that 2002? Yeah, it was 2002. It was May 2002, and I think I can't remember when they started reporting on it. Like the first trailer, the one with the um, World Trade Center that's now probably taken down. Yeah, was in like the summer of 2001. That was like the first kind of footage that anyone saw. Awesome. So yeah, would, this would have been before all that. Then that is. That's cool. I didn't really think about the fact that we didn't have a Spider-Man game for years because now we get one eh, pretty often these days. I mean, not like well, what it was this time. After yeah, this it was game. after that point, after Spider-Man came out, I think like throughout that decade, I think there was maybe like one or two years where there wasn't at least one. Like in 2001, there was a Game Boy Color sequel. There was a Game Boy Advance game and Spider-Man 2 Enter Electro. And then the Dreamcast port came out, and then <laughs> then the movie games came out, and then I think it was 2003, maybe, was the only year that there wasn't a Spider-Man game. I think 2003 and 2009. Oh, that's interesting, because I, mean, I know we had all those like weird, I, I enjoyed them, like Spider-Man Edge of Time, Spider-Man uh, Shattered Dimensions, 
Web of Shadow. Like, we had a lot of Spider-Man games later on. But it's interesting, and I didn't realize that this was the first that really kind of kicked that off in, in, in years. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, the PlayStation generation was a pretty <laughs> abysmal one for superhero games. Because, I mean, like the probably the best ones were like the Capcom fighting games, but they were kind of neutered on the PlayStation just because <laughs> of technical limitations. Like I that was my introduction to that series. So I enjoyed them. But I know they're far from arcade perfect. But then you had like like on Marvel, you had like Incredible Hulk, Pantheon, Sega and Fantastic Four and things like that that were pretty bad. And but it was like. Like, just when the PlayStation 2 came out, when you had X-Men Mutant Academy, which was a respectable kind of Street Fighter clone. And then a couple of months later was Spider-Man, and that was kind of the new Marvel renaissance where we started to get, like, okay, we have, like, Spider-Man, and then we have, like, the movie Spider-Man games and X-Men Legends. So you have started getting, and then that evolved in the Marvel Ultimate Alliance. So you started getting all these, like, cool Marvel games after that point. Okay, I do love Marvel games. I have played a, a few of those. The like X Men Legends. I remember that came out. Was yeah, really I was astonished. Game. I was just I was catching up on your top ten superhero games list, and like it's kind of shocking because I see it a lot how expensive all these games have gotten, and I kind of take it for granted because like at two around the start of this decade or last decade, I guess like I just started buying up superhero games, and they were not that expensive. And then I just hear everyone talking about something like Captain America being prohibitively expensive and i was watching um someone was live streaming the invincible iron man game for game boy advance and that <laughs> is like a hundred dollars loose and i was like i definitely didn't pay for that like that much for that game uh, because licensing <laughs> you know stuff don't get re-released ever yeah and i guess like people are hungry for marvel games like i even i go to my local kind of used game store and the clerk is always bringing up like man like over the past couple of years, like Marvel games have just like steadily started climbing in price. Well, I would say probably a lot to do with like just how big Marvel got with the MCU. And they don't make that many games that aren't Android and iOS games lately. Like almost we don't get a lot of like a console game or something. We just get, you know, we want your money and you here have a character for free. We'll and we'll we'll take a ten dollars to all the other characters you played and you play this mobile game for, you know, a day or so. Like that's it. That tends to be their current method of giving you out Marvel stuff, which is not, I think, what people really want. Well, some people want, but not us. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's changing, though, because when you think about like the past couple of years, like it kind of seems like they're trying to get at least one big Marvel game a year. Um, so you had Spider-Man in 2018, and I don't think there was anything in 2019, I stand to be corrected. Ultimate Alliance um, 3. Ultimate Alliance 3, yes. Yeah, as I don't have a Switch anymore. And then, <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> I had to trade one to get a PSVR to play the next game that I'm going to talk about, <laughs> which was Iron Man VR in 2020, <laughs> which I absolutely loved. And then after that, it was Avengers and then Miles Morales. And then in a couple of months, we're getting Gardens of the Galaxy. So it kind of looks like they're trying to do what they're with the MCU. Now, whether people like these games or not, I know Avengers had a really rocky start. But uh, yeah, it's it's gotten better. It's still not perfect, but it's it's fine. And I'm kind of excited for um, I know you're a big Marvel Heroes fan. They just brought on someone from Marvel Heroes to do a lot of systems work. And he seems really excited to kind of get in and 
bring in, I guess, some of what he lent to Marvel Legends into this. And like you see his Twitter and he's talking about his name is uh, Brian Wagner, I believe. And he's always talking about like war machine armor and like where would where would war machine where would all the missiles hold in this suit? So I'm excited to see what he is going to bring into the game if they actually keep with it. Um, that's cool. I, I do like that theory that they have more planned because you are right. They have been doing at least one a year. So hopefully we'll get more. But I mean, I feel like that's why that the games are so expensive, because also they'll never get re-released at this point. So yeah, people are <laughs> holding and, them when they find them. And it's a shame because like you see um, like Asper Media and limited run games and they put out like these like the, the classic Star Wars games and they do them like like limited run games will put out like Shadows of the Empire, but the packaging will be like the card back from the old toys. And like they they do that for all the Lucas art games and those are owned by Disney. And I just think like, man, wouldn't it be cool if they just put out like Maximum Carnage, but the package was like the like kind of Spider-Man animated backing or they put out like an X-Men game and they use that backing. But I guess the difference between like LucasArts and Marvel is that LucasArts kind of did everything internally and Marvel was all like, OK, well, this company is doing Maximum Carnage. This company is doing like Iron Man and then Activision did most of the Marvel stuff and they are just, you know, kind of <laughs> the worst. Yeah, they sound like it. They sound really bad to deal with. So it's like the kind of the best way, like the only way to kind of legally support classic Marvel games is just buying like several hundred dollar arcade one up machines. <laughs> if I, I I have a bunch of them, the old ones that I've just picked up over the years back when they were cheap. Now I'm if I see them, I, I'll grab them too. Well, anything modernish consoles, older consoles, I, I play other ways, but <laughs> that's just how I am at this point. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, you have to be like I've um, I started buying like the uh, versus games for Saturn. Oh. And I mean, no one was buying Saturn games back in the day, which is a shame because Saturn's kind of great, but we never appreciated it back then. And now like like Children of the Atom and Marvel superheroes are like a month's rent for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I mean, some of those games have really jumped up in price. Saturn's a system I've never really got into yet. I've never played a Saturn game at all. I just I missed that era. Yeah, I, I mean, it was it was part of the media at the time because a lot of people were just like everyone was poo-pooing the Saturn and championing even like kind of diminishing 2Ds, even in magazines. They're like, oh, yeah, who cares about the Simpy the Night thing when like Dracula <laughs> 3D is coming out? Like, that's going to be the way better one. And then like. I think the IGN review for X-Men Children of the Atom is like, oh, this could like this is just another Super Nintendo game. And it's like, no, this can't be done on the Super Nintendo. It's way too complicated. <laughs> but that's just kind of the I like the kind of like the what it was at the time, because they're like 3D was this cool new thing. And then like you got Spider-Man at the tail end and 3D for the first time and how exciting that was. And not even that, like you have the commercials and I think part of the brilliant marketing on the commercials was like at the tail end, it was different than creators of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, which was like the biggest game at the time. Yeah, I mean, they were, I think, and that game had the, I think it was the first 3D model of Spider-Man is in Tony Hawk. Uh, I think, yeah, I don't think he was in Tony Hawk 1, he was in Tony Hawk 2, I don't know which came first. I thought it was first, was in the, was the secret player before this game came out? I could be wrong. Uh, 
I know because I think Spider-Man was in Tony Hawk 2 and then I think Wolverine was in 3 and Darth uh. Maul was in another one. I'm not the biggest Tony Hawk guy. I'm not either. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> I, I bought Tony Hawk 2 on Dreamcast just because Spider-Man was in it. And I think there's no cheat codes. You have to earn them. And I'm like, I'm never getting this. I was just, I did a little, yeah, Pro Skater 2, which came out in September of 2000. So it would have been right before this, I think then. Yeah, a little bit after. So it would have been around the same time. Okay. Yeah, a little. Okay, I see. Okay, so I guess they already have the, they already have the models. Like, hey, we'll just throw it in here too. Yeah, it's the same people and, um, because I even remember, because around that time, it was the PlayStation 2 was coming out. But then Sony, they put out the PS1, the ONE, and it was like the sandwich container size PlayStation. Yeah, I remember those. And a bunch of people around where I live, at least, like I'm, I come from a small town, like we had Walmart to buy games and that's it. And we had like a couple of thousand people and 2000 people. But then people were buying those PlayStations and then they would... Like, they were big Tony Hawk fans, so then they were like, oh, the Spider-Man game is there. And then everyone was, like, buying it and being like, oh, yeah, this is actually, like, really cool. So it was, like, exciting to play that, and it kind of sucked for me at the time because I didn't have a PlayStation. Like, my brother got one the year prior, but he was going to university, so he was only home for, like, the summers and Christmas so I would be stuck with my N64 and Spider-Man never came out, I believe, until November. So I was like, oh, I really want to play this game, but I can't. <laughs> well, I, I can see I can see why that would be very upsetting. <laughs> so this game really surprised me. Like I so I had never played it before. I wasn't when it first got put on the show by my co-host, I wasn't excited for it. I was kind of like, eh, OK, I mean, like, I'm like, why can't you pick a better Spider-Man game? Like pick something from. You know, Shattered Dimensions or Ultimate Spider-Man for PS that PS2 era. Um, but um, but he's like, try it. I'm like, okay. So this past week, I loaded up and I started playing it. And even like, I had a bunch of audio issues for at first because I had a, it I couldn't get any sound because it was going through my my other my 360 controller. I was hooked up to my PC. It wasn't so trying to play this game with no sound because there are no subtitles doesn't work very well. They're trying to explain the tutorial to you. <laughs> oh, so it it took me a little bit of screwing around to realize what my audio issues were. And then I was having control issues, too, where my controller was, I think I dropped it too many times and it wasn't registering. It was having a hard time with the analog and I having all these different issues. Then, when, then I'm like, so finally I got it working and the game spread me. It's like it, you know, I missed a bunch of when they explained how to do things like I missed when they explained how to do impact webbing, everything. I missed all that and just kind of figured out the game as I played, like to figure out how to, you know, swing. I just jumped and started hitting buttons and figured it out after falling to my death. But <laughs> it, it. I had heard a lot of people say that the webbing in this game was fun, and they were right. Like, it, it makes sense. He has to have a building or something nearby for him to hook onto, and you just kind of go along. And the, the levels aren't open world. I know there's some explanation for why they're not, but I'm okay with that. I don't mind that it's linear levels. I like linear levels. See, uh, um, I'm actually, because um, I know there's a, ever since Spider-Man 2, everyone has said, like, oh, man, like, this is, what Spider-Man game should be, but I always feel the exact opposite. And I, I think it was uh, my friend Josh Sutton who runs Panels of Pixels, and he talked about like uh, like Spider-Man comics, and it's like how many pages you see Spider-Man swinging. It's not like the full thirty pages; it's like <laughs> one or two pages. And then all of these games are just built around that. And then um, even like when Marvel Spider-Man came out, I, I I really liked that game, but I was just 
playing a lot of games to write my Spider-Man book. So I had gone through Spider-Man 2, Ultimate Spider-Man, Web of Shadows. Mm-hmm. And then when I got to that game, I was like, okay, so we're just swinging around New York again. And then the side activities are kind of dull. I mean, they're they're fun at the start when you have like kind of the bases and the collectibles. But as the game rolls on, it's like, okay, here's some street crimes. It's like, okay, <laughs> here's some bases. I'm like, oh, here's some more bases. I'm like, okay, come on. <laughs> like, maybe trim some fat here. <laughs> Welcome to this generation. <laughs> yeah, well, that's Welcome why I really dug Miles Morales because it was like, okay, well, let's make this game and have half the stuff. And it just whips by at such a better pace. Because I, I like for Marvel Spider Man, like one of the most enjoyable things you can do is play a new game plus. So you don't have to do anything. So you just kind of critical path, like the main story beats. So it just like flows so much better. Because I mean, it's also my play style too. Because once I see a little widget on a map, I have to get it, which is why like I haven't played a Ubisoft game in years because <laughs> like I just couldn't. Just yeah, you see, won't. Uh, I walk out my roommate. She's playing like Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I'm just like, this looks exhausting to me. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to ignore the ones that don't matter to you mm-hmm. because they're just full of things. I I I love the Assassin's Creed here, but I haven't played since Rogue Rogue and Four. The last ones I played. Yeah, for me, the last one was three. That's kind of the one that kind of exhausted me. Yeah, that, so, that's an exhausting game. So for like the Spider-Man games, like I just love kind of when they built levels around the abilities, like this one and Shattered Dimensions are among my favorites. Because like, when you think of like Marvel Spider-Man, it's like, okay, you're swinging around and all the boss fights kind of are like that. But when you think about this game where it's like, everything is kind of memorable. It's like, oh yeah, you have that awesome fight with Mysterio where he turns mm-hmm. into a giant and the chase with Venom and like the Rhino battle and like the police chase and it was kind of like the same thing with Shattered Dimensions, where it's like, okay, like you have the Deadpool section where you're swinging away from a tidal wave, and like they kind of have the context where you're going to different areas. So I kind of love when people get creative with levels, which is what I like out of Spider-Man games. But I know that's kind of not what people want. They want no. like the big open worlds. They want like the swinging around, which I think is fun. But I mean, that's one thing like that marrying of the two is what they need. I mean, this game, like, even the story starts off very interesting, like, you, and it introduces so many characters, like, right off the bat, like, you see Peter Parker at some expo, and you have Doc Ock creating something, and then you have a fake Spider-Man steal it, so I was thinking, like, Chameleon or something, and you see Venom is right there already, and he's already been Venom, and he already knows who Peter Parker is, like, you have all these things that are dropped on you right off the bat to get you into the story, and I love how they sprinkle different Marvel characters throughout. Like, even in the first level, like, you have Black Cat talking to you. I couldn't stand her face from the PS1 polygonals. But other than that, like, I, I enjoyed the fact that she's there and she's talking to you and she's giving you instructions. And then you have you just going to stop a simple a bank robbery. Like, you don't have a big villain. You're just going to do something simple. I thought that was a good intro way. And then you have the cops, like you were saying, chasing after you. And I love how it did that. Like, you, like that level running from the cops was a ton of fun. When they're blowing up buildings around you, I'm like, this is really cool. But not even that, like the way it's kind of built, and it's what I kind of really like about this and the first Marvel Ultimate Alliance, is that if for some reason, if this was your first anything for Spider-Man, like if you had never read a comic, you had never seen the movie, you just got a hold of this game, it explains characters, it could kind of get people up to speed, like in the second level 
you have like the narration from Stanley where it's, oh, the scorpion is after J. Jonah Jameson because he locked him in his battle suit. And even like the Venom part of the beginning, it's just Eddie Brock and he's just there. And then the Venom takes over because he's almost like he's trying to repress it. So you kind of get these origins for these characters, but they're not obnoxious and in your face. It's just very organically weaved into like the, the adventure and the narrative and everything. No, you do a good job. Like that Scorpion thing. I, I like the fact that you had that little, just that little information there. Like, like you said, why you hate J. Jonah Jameson. And that was so good to see. Because, I mean, as a comic book fan, I know, like, I haven't read a lot of that, but I do know, like, his story. I knew his origin. So it was just cool to have, like, the one line, just put it in there, you know, but don't really bother explaining. You don't make it a whole plot point. Just It's just there. I, I like that a lot, and I like that fight, too. I mean, I, I'm I'm a fan of Scorpion for some reason, even though I think he's a dumb character, but I like him. <laughs> he's well, a guy mean, with a scorpion tail. Yeah, that's, <laughs> so I think it was... Uh... It has been. I really love the um, half of the banks from Red Letter Media, and I love it. In time, talk about like some of the most recent Spider-Man movies, and they're talking about like kind of a lot of Spider-Man villains are just oh, it's a guy and he gets powers and he robs banks. Mm-hmm. So it's like oh yeah, like Electro is like a guy and he gets electric powers and he decides to be a bank robber, and they've kind of like elaborated on characters and origins and things like that. But you know, it's kind of like you just have a strike. And just like a guy in a mechanized scorpions. But it, it it worked in this game. You have him confronting, you know, trying to kill Jay Jonah, and you have to go and just, well, just fight Scorpion and keep his attention. And then as soon as you beat him, like, the cops come after you because you were seen stealing this piece of equipment. And it was just, I, I like the way it just goes from one thing to the next. And then, you know, as the game progresses, it isn't, there's a, I think there's a good moral dilemma that kind of comes up, which I like too, where you have Spider-Man have to make the choice because he hears Venom took Mary Jane because Venom is trying to get Spider-Man because he thinks Spider-Man, you know, took the took that big thing from Doc Ock, even though he saw Peter Parker there because Venom's an idiot in this. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, he has to choose either go stop Rhino or go save Venom. And he makes the, the choice to stop Rhino. And I like that they put that in there because that's something that Spider-Man would do in the, in the character in the comics. He would put, you know, the lives of many over the lives of one. And that's you hit on that. And I love that because that's what I, I kind of put in my in my in my book on the section about this game is that like the whole reason why Spider-Man is Spider-Man is because he made a selfish choice and it cost him dearly. So he knows to never make that mistake again. So when you have that section where it's okay, Rhino is hurting everyone, but Mary Jane is important to me and I want her to be safe, but the world's, kind of need Spider-Man to go stop the Rhino. So that's your first stop. It isn't like, okay, I'm going to go let him rampage over this place and let him make off of his equipment. We're going to go here and then handle Venom. It's good. I mean, even the Rhino fight, it's simple, but it, it was fun. I mean, you just, you have Rhino who's a giant guy in a rhinoceros outfit and you just have to make him run into the electric conduit so that way he, or generator, so that way he starts shocking. I didn't realize that you could actually hurt him during those fights when he runs into it, I thought you just had to let him run into it and then, you know, wait and just keep continue. I just, why I didn't just continue that process. Well, it's kind of like uh, in Arkham city, how we, when you fight Mr. Freeze, like um, you have to do more things, the higher the difficulty. So if you play on easy, which is what I normally play on, because the game Same. is a little bit hard. You can just use the electrical conduits, but on normal, like you have to use the barrels in the corner as well. 
And then I think on hard, you might have to even like throw a few punches. Cool. I mean, yeah, I just played an easy side. I don't have to do any of that, but that's that's cool. That makes you do other things other than just what I did. <laughs> I just had him hit all the different electric things until he was dead. And I mean, this is kind of a game that kickstarted that because like how many like Rhino is kind of like that go to villain where it's like, oh, OK, well, we're making a movie game, so we can't use the big guys and we can have Rhino. Rhino's not going to be in a movie until he was for like five seconds. Yeah, it wasn't um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then it's just kind of something that's been done over and over. And even like that concept, like a, that's what the Bane fight is in Arkham Asylum. It's like getting a guy to run into a wall. Uh-huh. Oh, that that fight is too much for me. I don't I do not like the Bane all the Bane fights essentially in Arkham. That those are my least favorite in the first game. For sure. But yeah, you got a good point. I mean, I don't know if this is the first I wonder if this is like the first comic game to kind of do that. Probably not, but it, it is it is cool. I mean, and again, this was probably more of a revolutionary because this is, you know, two thousand. But it was just cool to see Rhino. Like I agree with you. Like it's a it's a villain that nobody really like, you know, just throw him in there. But I feel like, isn't he kind of a big comic book villain for Spider-Man, or, like, at least a B-lister? I mean, he's popular, like, he's well-known. Like, I remember, like, my introduction to Spider-Man, like, I'm sure a lot of people was the 60s animated series. Same. And, I mean, the Rhino was on that, so that was my introduction to that character. So, I mean, he's well-known enough that he's there, but, I mean, he's not, like, the like a cerebral villain, like a Doc Ock or a Green Goblin who kind of had this like emotional battle with Spider-Man and Peter Parker, just like a guy in a, in a rhino suit. <laughs> you know, that reminds me, there is no Green Goblin in this game. There is a reference in the police chase level. If you swing over to one of the cranes, you fall in there and you see a, a hideout and it's a bunch of bombs and a glider. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I I think yeah. I mean, it's you have to go out of your way to find it because if you're getting chased by the police, you're like kind of following the compass or whatever. I mean, I play this game more <laughs> times than I care to admit, as I've been playing it for about twenty years. Hey, nothing wrong with that. It's a good game. Yeah. <laughs> I have it on Dreamcast, N64, PlayStation, and Game Boy Color. <laughs> I'm curious what the Game Boy Color version. Um, it's it's really hard. But it's it's really fun too. It's um it's kind of like an open world. Like you swing around and there's not like levels. Like you actually have to like find out where you're going. But then there's levels that are like gigantic mazes. It has some of the same story, but it's also a little bit different. I think I know Hobgoblin is in it, and I believe the lizard, but I'm not sure if he's actually a boss or if he just makes an appearance like in this game. Okay, I didn't run into him in this game. I only saw later on when I was watching videos that he that he is in this game somewhere. Yeah, he's in the sewers. He gives you he essentially just just there to give you directions. That's still cool just to have him in there. Like, yeah, I, I mean, he was planned to be in there. He was supposed to be the boss, I think, in the sewers. As I um, I had the opportunity to interview the lead designer last year, and I asked about the lizard and. Venom wasn't supposed to be in the sewers. I believe it was supposed to be the lizard and there was going to be another you're supposed to fight Venom on like the Brooklyn Bridge. But then they just, I guess, ran out of time. So then he just had the lizard there. And if you find him, he'll just be like, OK, like if you find Mary Jane, go over two lanes and go forward past the machinery <laughs> and just like tells you where to go. That's cool. 
that part was a little confusing. Like, so after I would do on top of like the whole everything getting up to Venom, like you fight Venom at first in an alleyway where he like can camouflage himself, which I don't remember Venom ever doing that in the comics, but it could be I didn't read enough Spider-Man comics. I think it's kind of a way of um, I know the symbiote can blend in a certain environments. I know smarter people than me would know better, <laughs> but I think it's like a gameplay way of essentially him being able to hide from your spider sense. Oh, okay. So it's very like visual where it's he'll disappear and then he'll get the jump on you because the symbiote where he was with Peter Parker just made him uh, venom doesn't trigger your spider sensors. I think it's just a way of just kind of putting that into a game and just making it something that people can understand. That makes sense. It, it was cool, though. Like, I, I like the fact that Venom kind of plays a big part. And then in this game, like, you fight him, then you're chasing. Like, chasing after him was fun. Even though I failed a few times, I kept getting caught on geometry or just failing at what I was doing. But it was still really cool to chase after. I really did like that. Yeah. I know. I was talking to Chad Finley. It was the, he was the designer I spoke with. And he was saying that he wished he had done a better job of that because he actually picked it up and he had trouble doing it. <laughs> like, okay, you, so you made the game and he's like, yeah, I couldn't do the Venom chase. <laughs> I mean, I was also, I also cheat. I was using save states, but that's, an, I'm, I wasn't the only person that had a hard time with it because I, <laughs> I thought I was just fucking at the game because I just no, wasn't the, the guy best who control. made the game has trouble with that part. <laughs> <laughs> it's still cool and he keeps taunting you throughout the whole thing. I mean, I noticed he also stop at different points and wait for you for a little bit. I did notice that because he was sitting, at least on easy mode, he was sitting there waiting for me a few times. I think, yeah, it's it's pretty generous on all difficulties. Um, I yeah, I think I played it for this month. This is when I found out I was going to be doing this episode. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to actually, I wanted to experiment with something because something I like about this game, it's something I actually really appreciate about the most recent Resident Evil releases, that if you unlock a suit and play it on another difficulty you can still use that suit and get the rewards. So if you finish the game on easy, you get the symbiote suit, which gives you unlimited webbing. And if you play the game on normal, it lets you use that suit. And even on hard, if you finish the game with that suit, you still get like the Captain Universe suit, which is like the reward for getting finishing the game on hard. So I like that if you want to challenge yourself and just do it, with your normal powers, you totally can. But if you want to play with like the unlimited webbing, which is a big help, because they even think with the symbiotes in the Daily Bugle, if you get the magnesium webbing, it doesn't run out. So they become oh. less of a problem the second you get that. That is cool. I, I only, I only, I got the black suit and I did, I turned new game and saw the black suit. I was like, okay, but I also never use my webbing that much when I played this game. <laughs> I didn't use it for combat at all until way later in the game because I just I didn't know how. <laughs> oh yeah, right. I missed all that tutorial. Like I didn't know about the that you could do the launch the ball the webs until very end of the game. I found out you could web people, but when I saw that it used my webbing, I'm like, no, no, I'll just save it because that's how my brain was working. Yeah, it's, it's really helpful in like the uh, the carnage fight at the end because you can push him into the bubble and just hold triangle, and then he can't move, and then you just like watch his power go down. Yeah, that's not the way I did that fight. <laughs> we'll get there, but that's <laughs> not the way I won that one. I won it the wrong way, but like I think, and oh, I was also a little bit surprised, like and and good surprise, like when you go into the sewers with um when you're chasing Venom and you have the like all of these lizard people start showing up everywhere. 
that threw me for a loop, and I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, and it's all like contextual as well. Ravens has a line where he's like, "Oh, this is like from one of the lizards failed experiments." When you find the lizard, he even says like, "Venom has the Parker woman, and he's using my people like against me or whatever, and just trap me here." Because they're probably like, oh, we have this model. Let's do something with it. <laughs> that is cool. I'm assuming it's from a comic storyline, too, of him doing that. I want to say the first Amazing Spider-Man movie had him turning people into lizards, but I haven't seen that movie since it came out. Yeah, I mean, it was also in the cartoon, I believe. I think you're right. As I remember, there was an episode where he was there was an underground city of lizard people. God, it's been a long time since I watched that cartoon. I can't remember. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I can see I, it being there. I know the pilot is has to do with the lizard, but I doubt it's in the pilot. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just a basic lizard story where he's has. I can't remember the night of the lizard that well. I know he has the best science gun ever, and I love it. The Neogenic Recombinator. It's the most ridiculous, awesome name for anything ever. I, I do like the lizard as a villain too. I think he's just cool. Because he's he's a villain, but he's not. But he's also kind of like you know you can understand why he did, like what happened to him. Yeah, and they carry him over into the sequel, Enter Electro, when you fight the lizard. Uh, how you beat him is like you have to find parts of a formula to kind of turn him back to Kurt Connors. That's cool. Yeah, the what? game is not as good, but it has a lot of great parts. I definitely want to try it at some point. After playing this one, I'm way interested in trying. Enter Electro now. So it's, it's a little rougher, but I, I actually heard it. My a friend of mine said he went looking for it, and it's really expensive now, which is a shame. But it's almost like it. It's almost like an expansion. Is even at the start of the game, it says previously on Spider Man, and they give a recap of what happened in this game, okay. which is really cool. Yeah, I'm, def- I'm definitely interested to try it out now, considering I never even really had any interest in either of these PS One games because. I'm not a big PS1 guy unless it's RPGs. I kind of I stay away from them unless I know it's a good game on PS1 because that era doesn't age as well. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I have a lot of um, like 3D gaming was kind of like I, I was playing. My first system was the NES and then kind of 3D games hit when I was a teenager. So I was, I guess, more aware. I was playing games as a kid and I enjoyed them. But I mean, the 3D era is when I kind of wanted to know about like who made these things and being critical about them. And I remember just getting my brother got a PlayStation for Christmas in 1999. And then he had Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> and I just watched him play the opening. I was like, you just went up and snapped a guy's neck. <laughs> and this was after years of playing like N64 games where it's like, Oh, the carrot told me to collect the widget or whatever. Yeah. And I pieces. just got a taste of Resident Evil 2. And I was like, oh, my God, there's three of these things on this machine. I only have the one. So then I had like a year of like fantastic PlayStation catch up where I was like my brother came over the summer and I watched him play Final Fantasy 7 and 8. And he had Soul Reaver. And I was playing Resident Evil. And so I have like a, a big love for that. It's totally kind of it's exciting, like it, it's clunky, but it's also a very exciting era of games is when you went from like 2D and it's like, OK, now Mario can run around in a castle and you can do whatever you want. And then you have like Resident Evil where it's like, oh, a game can frighten you. What is this <laughs> a new sensation? 
Yeah, the PS1 was an era of a lot of change. I just, I have, I didn't play as many. Like, the PS2 era is, is the one where I really got into game. Like, I love Super Nintendo, but I stayed with RPGs, and it wasn't until, like, PS2 where I got more into gaming. So I, I skipped, I missed so many games, just like this one. I just never got around to playing. I just didn't really know about or people weren't in my circles talking about it. And this was a late PlayStation game as well. Like, this was months before the PlayStation 2, so that was kind of sucking up a lot of the conversation. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Because you had Dreamcast was out, and I remember, like, renting out Dreamcast and playing Code Veronica and just being like, I can't play in 64 anymore. Like, I remember bringing it back and renting out, like, Turok 3 and being like, oh, my God, this is so ugly. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 64 is ugly in general now. (laughs) But when you see what came out, anything after. Yeah, and then... um, But, I mean, this game was pretty big, and... uh, Although with some of those problems, I believe I, I remember talking to a lot of people when they had theirs and they liked it, but they're like, yeah, it's kind of short. And I kind of get that as well. Like the first time I played it, I went to visit my brother in Ottawa for like a week in October of 2000. And he just went to a blockbuster, rented this as he had played it. And he was like, oh, my God, you do all this stuff and you chase Venom. And I was like, oh, my God, that sounds so exciting. And so he rented it out and we finished it in like a day. Or something. We're just playing on easy. Yeah, it is uh, short. But then there's like a lot of repay and play value too, as you can play and like look for the common covers and like the extra difficulties and unlocking all the costumes. So there's enough to keep you going back there. But it took me a while to actually own my own copy because I wanted to buy it. But like I was 18, 17, and money was very scarce. So the spending $50 in a game, I know I can beat in like five hours. <laughs> Yeah, for like a handful of hours is like, well, maybe I should save it and get something else. <laughs> so my first copy of this was like from Blockbuster and it was like in a <laughs> rental case with like the manual cut in half and just wrapped around this thing. And there's like a <laughs> Blockbuster sticker in there because it was $20 or something I'm like, OK, I'll buy it for $20. Oh, <laughs> uh, those those Blockbuster days <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> I mean, the other thing that, like, surprised me that I wasn't expecting, like, the whole part when you're on the train, when you're fighting the lizard people and you're chasing after Venom, like, that, to me, was actually, like, really cool. I was a little surprised and kind of, I enjoyed that. Like, I was like, this is pretty awesome. And that's a great thing for when you, on the higher difficulties, I was just using, like, I would get to a quarter and just fire impact webs and just push them away. Because <laughs> if you start fighting them on, like, the higher difficulties, like, they can't kill you and. It's a cool level, but it's also a bit of a drag. And sometimes you just like fall off the train. You're like, oh, now I got to go back to the start. Okay, yeah, that that would have irritated me too. I didn't have that on easy. I didn't have that problem. I just took yeah, everybody that's, out. That's why I normally play on easy, and I'll never shame anyone for. As I, I see, like a lot of discourse now, where everyone's like, no, you play on easy. I'm like, play however you want. Like this game is just enjoy the story, enjoy being Spider-Man. Like you don't have to beat your head against the wall playing on normal. Like I remember I had a job where uh, I worked in a museum that didn't get a lot of traffic. So <laughs> I used to like hide my PlayStation and, and a guy was be like, oh yeah, I want to play. And you just play on kids mode. Like on kids mode, you don't even need the trigger to swing. I think you just hit X twice. Yeah, that's what my co-host was saying, because he was playing this on a uh, PSP, so he didn't have R2. <laughs> So he was, he was, he did kids mode. You just hit X twice. Oh yeah. I remember I was playing, um, 
I think Mega Man Legends 2 on PSP, and I had to get creative with how I map my controls. <laughs> yeah, PSP doesn't have enough enough buttons for some for some of these games from PS1 era. For sure. I was just like, I, I really like. I think that also kind of like really grabbed me. Like, and the Venom fight, I so I failed the first time you fight Venom in the sewer. He's trying to rescue Mary Jane because he has a bunch of levers. On an easy, he hits one lever, and you're supposed to turn it off, and then you can go rescue, and you can fight him. Well, I thought I had to hit all, so I hit all the levers, and I just sped <laughs> the process and killed her. I'm like, wow, this meter goes really fast. I'm like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Especially once it gets high enough, then you can hit him. And then yeah, then I realized I'm like. Oh, you're not supposed to hit the levers. You're supposed to—he's supposed to activate the levers to drown her, and you're supposed to just leave them alone. I kept—I was turning them all on, trying to kill her faster. <laughs> oh, that, that took a—I mean, I had a hard time with that fight just in general because he kept running. He runs away a bunch of like he'll kill appear, and you have to—and if you get hit, you get stunned for a bit, and when you're stunned, you really can't do anything. Yeah, and that's, that's in your really window. annoying. Like I can't stand yeah. and, and like and. This game in any game where someone grabs you and it just takes forever and like, okay, just give me the hit and just let me go. Like, and it's like instead he has to stand there for a couple of seconds and then like slurp you with the tongue and everything. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's cool, but just like, oh, come on, let's just let's get let's get let's get on with it. Yeah, I wasn't crazy about it, but the fight was cool. Like, I I like the fact that you get to fight Venom and I I couldn't handle. Like, I really had a problem with it. Everybody I think in this game looked fine besides. A black cat and Mary Jane because they have the same facial features, and I know it's two thousand. So I mean, it, it is what it is, but it 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 did it bugged me a lot. <laughs> yeah, like, all their faces. That's I can't remember how in the Dreamcast version I can't remember what Mary Jane looks like, but in Dreamcast they actually put the mask on Black Cat. Oh, that and been they better. have the lines on Spider Man's costume as well. So that was kind of like I mean, it's it's not much of an improvement. But it's like just enough that it's noticeable. Well, anybody with a mask, they looked fine. Like I hadn't mentioned, even even the male characters out of mask, like Jay Jonason was fine. Punisher was fine. And another thing, I like the fact that you run into different characters in this game from the Marvel Universe. I mean, they're not really there for any real reason. Like you run into Daredevil, Human Torch, Punisher. They're just there to give you a little bit of talking in between a mission. But I like the fact that they were there. Like that really was cool to me. But I just think. Um... It just makes sense. That's the thing about the Marvel Universe is that it's meant to be the the world in your backyard and Spider-Man would run into these people just doing his just patrolling or just being Spider-Man. Like yeah. if Daredevil hears on the news that Spider-Man is doing something, then he's going to go check it out. And I even love that part with if you have no idea who Daredevil is, and he says, like, okay, I know you're innocent. And he's like, how do I, how do you know that? And he's like, well, let's just say I have my powers and you have yours. They do a and good then, way of just explaining who a character is, like, in a sentence, giving you some yeah. information. And then if you want to know more, then you kind of go into, like, the glossary and kind of read about them. And, yeah, that, again, Stan Lee doing narration. And but even, like, I asked Chad, I was like, is it, was it hard getting all these approvals? I feel now it's, like if you if you made a Marvel game now, you would have to like I want to put in Captain America. And it's like, but you know, we have to kind of what do you, what does he look like? And <laughs> what are you using for? Like we might be using them over here, but he was like, no, nah, they just said use whoever you want. A different time, but that had, yeah, they didn't care as much. <laughs> well, it was like it was just right before kind of Marvel took off in the movies. Because at this point, like, X-Men came out and Blade had come out, and that was it. 
like there was no Spider-Man, there was no X2, there was no Fantastic Four, I guess, to a lesser extent. <laughs> well, there was one, just never got released. <laughs> yeah. Like Captain America was like the the uh, direct-to-video one with the rubber ears. <laughs> I've seen those, unfortunately. <laughs> They're so bad. That makes sense, though. I mean, that they weren't as concerned. Like, well, now, I mean, there's two, plus, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen, essentially, that are going to be like, what are you doing with our character? We can't do this. We can't do that. Which is nice to see that they were allowed to just kind of, you know, put, you know, have fun and be, tra- and, you know, they were fair to these characters. You know, they portrayed them the way they'd be in the comic books, and it, and it made it work, and it, it looked good. Yeah, and, I mean, like, and it, it all was cool. makes sense. None of it is gratuitous or just, no. like, wink at the camera. It's, like, it's a logical reason as to why... Like Black Cat would be here and Daredevil would be here and the Punisher would definitely be investigating this as well. <laughs> and causing trouble. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. cutscenes are a little bit because um, when you think of just like this was the machine that was like Final Fantasy and these beautiful cutscenes <laughs> and like in this, it's like if you see a character's like spine, they just have this like weirdly detailed spine. So that's like a little bit rough to go back to. But otherwise, it's fine. Because what year was Final Fantasy VIII? Well, Final Fantasy VII was 97. Final Fantasy VIII was 99. Okay, so yeah, the PS1 could do a lot. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, this was also a, the difference between my Japanese and American development, so. Yeah, and RPG and a three, you know, 3D action game. Uh-huh. I just made me think of Final Fantasy VIII. I'm like, oh, because those, those cutscenes and everything. Whew, that game. I like VIII a lot. Well, that's like when when you would sell games on the back, it would on the back of a case like the selling point would be so many like blank minutes of <laughs> movies CGs. or 60 minutes of fully recorded voice, whether it's good or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like, I want to say it's at, like that scene where it's Venom and Spider-Man on the roof and they're just talking to each other and they're trying to decide like what to do and, and how Venom's just kind of such an idiot. Like, I really like that because it's also this is a young Venom. Where the symbiote's very naive and not that intelligent yet, and I, I like that because I like when Venom's a hero more than when he's a villain. He, I think he makes a, a good anti-hero. Yeah, well, that's interesting because I know, like, I kind of have like a love-hate relationship with Venom because I think that Venom is visually striking and really cool. And as a kid, I mean, I was <laughs> like ten, I guess, when like Venom was happening and it's like oh spider-man's lame this guy is like spider-man only he has like these big teeth and his tongue and claws <laughs> and he like is not afraid to kill people like he's so much more badass but like those just kind of looking at the motivation where it's like oh spider-man excuse me like oh he lost my he helped me lose my job and it's kind <laughs> of just like venom i think people that point out like the original venom stories were just he was kind of an idiot it's like when the Venom movie came out, everyone was like, this is so dumb. And it's like, well, that's what Venom kind of was. And like for the longest time, like I didn't really like Eddie Brock. Like I was a big Flash Thompson Venom fan. Flash Thompson, that's the second one, right? Uh, well, I think there was Venom and I think there was some guy. And he was like some mobster who Eddie Brock sold the symbiote to to give money to charity. <laughs> okay, and that was, one I didn't know. Yeah, I think it was like um, it was an like Angel Fortuna or something. Like Eddie Brock was dying, and he wanted like he had an auction for the Venom symbiote, and then the Venom symbiote just abandoned him, and then Scorpion became Venom, and then it was Flash Thompson. I'm sure there was someone in between. Who's the guy that becomes Agent Venom in the comics? Is that Flash? 
That's Flash Thompson. Okay. I know a little, I never read any of those books, but it looks cool from what I've seen. Yeah, it is really a cool, um, it's, and then the most recent Venom books, I was reading them for a while, but then like kind of things happened and I couldn't afford to buy comics anymore. But just like what they've kind of done with Venom now is like way more interesting than just being like this guy who hates Spider-Man. I've only really read a few of the Venom books. Like I, I'm not ta- I read the old stuff, like Lethal Protector, that little miniseries from a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, that's all I've really read. I've I've never dug into any of his comics other than that for some reason. Yeah, well, character, I, mean, I just we had a read. few issues here and there, um, but mostly it's like the thing. It's it's kind of why I started my website was that for me, like a lot of comic book stuff was like video games and cartoons like i knew venom and carnage because of maximum carnage (laughs) like i never read that story until like 2013 or 14 but i played through the game like lots (laughs) it's i want to say it's a good game i don't think it is i remember liking it too when i was a kid the ending is it's hard to beat carnage but i really love it i actually got to talk to one of the guys who made it this year and he was kind of sharing about like how he built that game. And I like, I find that like stuff really fascinating as people kind of like dunk on kind of licensed games sometimes. And oh yeah, I know games like sometimes they're made for the wrong reasons, but I'm kind of naive in thinking that no one kind of sets out to make a bad game. It kind of just happens. Like even like Superman 64, if you kind of <laughs> dig into like the, story where like the the guys who made that they're like oh man we wanted to do this ambitious superman game and then kind of warner brothers like clipped them at the kneecaps and being like oh you can't superman can hurt people and then like the license ran out and they had like the playstation version and that was supposed to fix everything but now because of that like superman just has the stigma of being in one of the worst superhero games ever and now we don't get superman games on an annual basis it's just too bad I mean, yeah. usually most bad games end up being somebody up above who doesn't really know what's going on that makes bad decisions. Yeah. Well, just even think about how many bad Batman games there were until Arkham Asylum. Oh, yeah, there were. There were yeah, a few. Batman Beyonds <laughs> and Dark Tomorrows and the Batman Begins game was kind of a... That's actually a pretty good Splinter Cell clone. I'll give that one credit. I've heard good things about that one. I've always been meaning to play it, but I just never got around to it yet. It's I I stand by it. It's really fun. Like it's probably one of my favorite Batmobiles. I'm not sure if it's by the like if that section was kind of farmed out to the burnout team, but it feels like like arcadey burnout controls is kind of like going back and I realizing like the Batmobile is kind of the worst part of every single Batman game. (laughs) And it should be really cool, but like I um was playing like the Super Nintendo Batman and Robin game. All the adventures of Batman. Yeah. And it's great until you get to the Batmobile level. And it's just annoying. (laughs) Well, that game is just really hard. If I remember correctly. Yeah. It's also like with, with Spider-Man, a couple of things that we haven't mentioned yet. Like I know after you had the whole venom talk, isn't that when you go to the warehouse and you start, you're hunting down essentially Mysterio. Uh, yeah, it's in the daily bugle as you go. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's when you find out that, and then you go to the warehouse. The Daily Bugle, isn't that where you first run into all like the little symbiote generators, too? Yes. Okay, and you go downstairs. Okay, yeah, that's where you fight Mysterio. That was interesting. I I had 
it started getting a little more hard at that point, but there were some really cool parts of just moving around and swinging from the different pipes and stuff. I did like all that. I thought that was very interesting when you're down there with the incinerators and you had to, and like when you first fought the symbiotes, I thought they were invincible because I would hit them and like nothing really happened. So I just would avoid them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the best way, especially in the harder difficulties, because yeah, like I, they're I was... really hard to kill. And then you have to hit both sides of the generator in order for the blow up, not just one. <laughs> yeah, that would be annoying, too. I know a couple did it on easy, but most weren't that way. Most you could just hit one side and blow it up. So I would just like stick to the ceilings and just like, OK, no one noticed me. I'm just going to crawl over <laughs> here. I never really did that. I, I never because it was slower. So I never really went to the ceiling or anything. I just kind of stayed on the ground. Yeah, it's just the, the thing about like the levels in this game is that like you can you can kind of brute force things. You can kind of stick to the ceilings. And it's kind of like the great thing about like being Spider-Man in a video game is that you have so many options about how you can go about tackling a situation. And like in the webbing, you you so every time you do anything that uses webbing, you use your little webbing. But you get so many cartridges to refill your the refill it that it doesn't really feel like a handicap in this game. Like it doesn't. Really, I mean, you always have it. It's, it's there, and then you have a timer. You have you know a meter that actually matters. But I feel like you always probably have enough of it. Yeah, it, it's less forgiving on like as if you die on like hard, you come back with like two cartridges. Okay, that could be an issue. <laughs> yeah, I think on normal it's five. On easy it might be eight. But still, like, you, you have enough, and then... I'd say, like, the only clumsy thing about kind of using it is something they fix in the first movie game, is that, like, you have to hit, like, up and triangle to do, like, the impact webbing and kind yeah, of, like... I, I didn't it's know It's a that. bit clumsy, but in, like, the, the first movie game, which feels more like this, you just kind of hold the trigger and then just hit a face button to do it, and it's, like, so much easier, and I would kind of wish that, like... Like, we're never going to get a remake of this, sadly. No. But, like, I would love if they just be like, okay, we just went back and you can move the camera and use the triggers just to use your extra abilities. We'll probably never even get this game re-released, for that matter. So, Because no. I don't even think this ever got re-released on the PlayStation Store, I'm assuming, either. No. Because <laughs> yeah, licensing issues. I mean, again, that's just what... That's what bums me out the most about these type of game, Marvel games, especially because they're they're never, you know, if you don't play them. There's it wasn't for the ways that I, you know, emulation, you're you might never play some of these games. There's a loss of time. And that's I mean, that's kind of why I started my my website was that I wanted to, in my own way, preserve these things and talk about them. And like there is so many games that like. Because it was a thing for for me for a long time is that I didn't play a lot of licensed games. It's like I burned on them. And some I, bad ones. <laughs> yeah, but then you miss out on some of the good ones. Like I, I was uh, like last week's show when you were, or, sorry, last week to me <laughs> when good. you uh, in the timeline when you're talking about the Iron Man game from like Sega, where it's not great, but it's still fun. I I'm. I'm a. I haven't played it in years, but it, it's. It was a game that I remember. Like it wasn't bad. It was fine. But then, like for that project, because there was three, yeah, three different games, and the one for DS is like a twin stick shooter, where like you control Iron Man with the D pad and you kind of aim with a touch screen, and it's really really cool. But people probably like, that one got kind of swept to the side because like the other one was reviewed so poorly that people kind of ignored it in a game that. I always bring up a Shattered Dimensions on the DS because it's a Metroid game. Oh, 
Yeah, like there was Web of Shadows and it was kind of a first attempt at a Metroid, but it's a little bit clumsy and it's really hard. But like Shattered Dimensions is legit a Metroidvania game. It even has like the same style map and even some of the same abilities. All right, you have my attention now. Yeah, I should probably send you, I did a buried treasure video for it on Electric Playground. Um, I'll probably just send you the link. But yeah, it's a great Metroid game. There's like, Myself and Chris Baker and a few other people will like, champion that game to anyone who will listen. Okay, I might have to try it because I, I don't, I, I, I do like, I love Metrovania games and I'm not a big DS person, but if it doesn't make me use the DS touchscreen, I can always play it other ways and I would definitely have to check that out. And there's one point because, like, the, the way the map works is like the different eras or different parts of the map. So, like, there's portal rooms. So, you'll get so far with, like, the amazing Spider-Man and, you know, kind of hand off to, like, 2099. And you have to do this touchscreen game where you have to spin something around and, like, kind of tap things to stop the tablet from getting slowed down. That's about it. Okay, that I can do that with a mouse. The game would be better <laughs> if that wasn't there. Or they probably had to, knowing the way that, you know, the, the, yeah. it's a DS, so. Okay. You you have I'm gonna have to check this out at some point. This I'm I'm watching a video right now of it. It looks very interesting. Yeah, I don't know how her how hard or expensive it is to get, but <laughs> I'll find it other ways. Yeah, I mean, and it's like you can't hold that against anyone because you kind of have to because all of these things are just tied up and yeah, licenses. And- Disney has no interest in ever re-releasing or even trying to negotiate anything to bring these back out. They don't care. Yeah, and then that's kind of a shame, and I get it because it's, I mean, who knows where, like, the source code for these things are now? Because you had so many different contractors, and Activision is just like, (laughs) eh, whatever, I mean, we might make, like, $5 million on this, but we can also make $200 million nickel and diamond people on Call of Duty, so, (laughs) like, it's not worth for them getting out of bed, even, like, the the Marvel Ultimate Alliance re-releases where it's like, okay, we brought them back, but now they're gone. And like for Marvel Ultimate Alliance one, there's, there was DLC characters. And the only way to get those now is for the gold edition on Xbox 360, which is expensive as hell. Yeah. So like, unless you have that version or you downloaded those things while they were up, it's gone. Yeah. I, I, I did buy the DLC for Ultimate Alliance 1 and 2, so I think I can still claim it on my 360. I, but that's, I mean, that was, I, I remember when that happened. That was like, that was a big deal. That they were, you know, it was all going away and it wasn't coming back ever. Yeah, well, that's like, um, there's a version, because there was a the 2012 Amazing Spider-Man game. Uh, there was DLC for that where you actually get to play as Stan Lee. Oh, and it's like, yeah, it's like instead of like he has all the Spider-Man's abilities, like he can climb on walls and swing around. Yeah. The story is that like he's he has a manuscript and the pages go flying everywhere. So you have to go around and collect the pages when you go in like first person mode. It's like from the view of Stan Lee's glasses. Yeah, that's cool. That's a um, good game, by the way. Making Spider-Man one. That's yeah, it, it's it's really fun. I, it's, it's interesting just like talking to Chris Baker and some of the cool things that he kind of put in there to like kind of build out the universe. Like there's a Mr. Negative reference and how he like kind of added in the rhinos story to like this weird animal hybrid thing. But yeah, like that DLC is gone, but if you can get that game on Wii U, 
of all things, it's <laughs> on the disc. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, that's not surprising to Nintendo, but okay. <laughs> Something I didn't know. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, I want to double back. I want to talk about that Mysterio fight. Like, you had mentioned how, like, you have to do the web impact with up and triangle. I didn't know that. So when I got to the fight, and you finally chased down Mysterio, and you find out that the Spider-Man clone was Mysterio, and he comes a giant. You have to jump on different platforms and shoot these things that are on his suit. I didn't know how to do it. I had to text my co-host, and I'm like, what do I do? And he's like, well, you didn't listen to the tutorial, did you? I'm like, well, no. <laughs> and that's when I finally found out you had to hold up and triangle in order to shoot the web impact so you could damage him. But it, it was still a really cool fight. I was not expecting to go into the game and then end up fighting a giant Mysterio. Yeah, I, I love Mysterio. Uh, he's one of my favorite Spider-Man villains. And even like the great thing about Mysterio is because of his shtick, he makes for a great video game villain because he can kind of do whatever you want with him. Yeah, I mean, it worked well. Like it's a it's a cool fight, especially something different than everything else you've done so far in this game. I thought that was also very unique. Like I I had a you know once I knew what to do, I enjoyed the fight. Yeah, I I almost died a couple times even with save states because it was not that simple when I was having issues with the controls, but it, it was still very good. Like it, it, it's, it's something different where all the other boss fights are all, you know, small, more smaller scale. And you have this giant guy who's jumping three different floors and fight him. Yeah. And that's the thing about like all the bosses in this, there's always like a neat little trick that makes all of them memorable. Cause they even like, think about like Marvel Spider-Man where you fight like the sinister six. And it's very much just like kind of just a combat scenario. So you fight like, Rhino and Scorpion together and like Electro and Vulture together, but like they're kind of cool, but they're also more or less just like every other encounter. But in this, it's like, oh yeah, like the Scorpion fight is like you have to keep from JJ and Rhino, you have to lure him into the things, and Venom, you have to stop Mary Jane, and like Mysterio just turns three stories tall. <laughs> I really liked it. I and in the game, like, right there, I mean, and also, like we said before, this game is not that long, but I like the fact that it was a short game. Well, because of this podcast I play game every week, I was very happy it was a short game. Oh, yeah, I mean, for that, for a schedule like that, just to have mm-hmm. something that's, like... Six hours? Like, yeah, six hours, like, I even finish in the afternoon, if, once you know it. Yeah, that It took me a few days just because of I was busy, but it was, it, it yeah. was nice. Because even after you, like, it was after you beat Mysterio, there's not that much more left of the game. You go to the a waterfront area or the warehouse, which kind of all leads to where you're in the finding Doc Ock and you have like a little uh, area that reminded me very, a lot of umbrella labs in resident evil yeah. just because you're in a, you're in a laboratory trying to, you know, sabotage it. And it just made me think of that. But I actually, I kind of like the Doc Ock fight where you just have to, you know, press buttons on these generators that drop down and dodge his octopus claws <laughs> or limbs until you find, until you do it, until you do it enough time. And, you're, and then after you hit all four, you're able to damage them for a little bit. And you just repeat the process. I thought that was it was it was another fine boss fight. Yeah, it's cool, but it, it's also kind of funny where it's just like, why would you build it this way? Why didn't you have the switches <laughs> on like the inside? <laughs> yeah, that would make a lot more sense instead of having it where they can just damn where they can just use them against you. Which is why I like uh, the next fight with Carnage in the symbiote or in the Sonic Bubble. I um, I did this fight wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Well, just like the context of like like Doc Ock and he always is kind of like two or three steps ahead where he's like, OK, I'm going to work with Carnage, but he's also nuts. So I'm going to build this thing just in case I need to like kill him, which makes sense. I mean, yeah. So then never... it kind of like has a symbiote fight. That's like this is how you would fight a symbiote. <laughs> well, they say in this game all the time, never trust a symbiote. Yeah. 
I, I, so in this fight where you have Carnage running around in a circle with you and you have like this in the center, which can hurt him. The first time I started this fight, I ran in the center to go grab the comic book and died. <laughs> and I was like, oh, don't do that. OK. But I think and the great like, part about it is like once you grab it, you don't have to re-get it. That, OK, that is cool. I think so. Anyways, you might be right. I, I loaded a safe state, so I didn't really know. I was like, OK, I just uh, OK, that again. <laughs> but the thing that I thought was interesting to me about that whole uh, situation, like the whole fight is like because I, I, I read online, I looked at I was reading a guide a little bit and they said, OK, you know, you can trap him with your your webbing. I'm like, well, he never goes in there. So how am I supposed to trap him or pull him in there? So what I did, is I would just I would have him follow me and then I would swing over it. So then he would jump over it and damage himself a little bit each time he jumps over it. Oh, and that's how I beat him. <laughs> it was just just the two. Just we just went and kept jumping back and forth, back and forth for like a good ten minutes until he finally just died. I think my brother maybe showed me how to do it because he had finished it, and I just like lure him in there and just like he just like just hold triangle and then you're fine. Like especially on easy, as I think you have more than enough webbing that you can kind of just like just sit there and hold triangle, and he's just snared, and then his power will just go down. That'd be that. That's what it said to do too. I just I couldn't get it to work, so I just did it the. The, the not the right way <laughs> but i was glad that there was another solution even though you know for my problem like i thought that made me happy there was another way to do it yeah it's it's a good fight. i mean i like fighting i like carnage a lot i'm a big fan of that character so i was happy to see him in this game and i um, like how he, yeah I, 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 but I like him. <laughs> yeah he's he's a cool looking villain but i don't know i think some of the more recent stuff with carnage has been cool but i i think he I've always liked Venom more because I think there's just more to that character, whereas Carnage is kind of just like a laser-focused murderer. Yeah. I mean, like, maximum Carnage, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I just played the game, so it was just like, yeah, just like him going around like, oh, yeah, it's like, come kill people with me. And it's like, okay. <laughs> Pretty much. That's what that whole event is, yeah. <laughs> and then I was also surprised at the way that the final part of this game is, again, the things like a Super, like a Metroid game, you you, you have to escape and you have to escape uh, a, the symbiote takes over Doc Ock and you're being chased by a giant monster. Like to me, that was really I wasn't I knew about it because people had mentioned it over the years to me when I have heard about this game. But I never had experienced it before. And I was actually I was surprised. Like, that was really cool. I like yeah, it. It's exclusive. I mean, it was Monster Rock was this his first appearance was this game. And yeah, it's I mean, it's. Because you're just like swinging and it's like pretty tense because you're just like, oh, God, if I miss this thing that I'm going to have to like, he's right on my tail. I so I use safe states in this part, of course, and I, I got caught on geometry a lot of times because I was hitting the wrong because I was just not playing right the way I took yeah, it. I think safe states would almost like throw off your rhythm because it's almost like something that you kind of need to do a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You have to like for me, I would be holding down. I would do it in the straightaways. Just I didn't need it. Like I never actually had to restart. Really, I just liked it because it made that way when I do the whole part over again. Yeah, for sure. Because I don't like doing things over again in games <laughs> if I can help it. But and but it was. I mean, it's, it's a long part, but I thought it was pretty. Like you know, it, it's pretty tense. Like you're just being chased by this giant monster, and you have and you have a timer kind of going where the whole you have to get out of this place before it explodes. Yeah, it's like it's that and like he's breathing down your neck the entire time. Oh, he never lets up. Yeah. And you can't really get ahead of him. You can you can never really get ahead of him. You get a little bit, but never like really get like safely away from him, no matter what the game's going to make sure he's always on your tail. Yeah. But it's, it's a and good finishing. Yeah, it's a good um, instead of having like a battle, it's just kind of a test of how well you've kind of mastered like swinging <laughs> around because it's I, just I, like 
finding the straightaways and just doing a few swings and then like zipping up once you see the floors. It took a little bit. I I would I was, I wondered if I had to keep loading saves. I wouldn't miss that. <laughs> like oh shit, I was supposed to go up here. Okay. <laughs> But it's a good way to finish the game. I mean, I like I like when games finish it without just a boss fight and do something a little different to, for ending of a game. And I thought this was a good way to have an enemy you probably couldn't really defeat. Instead, you're just running from him and you're blowing up in the end. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like the intense fire and then. Yeah, that, that would take care of Carnage just fine. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and, and, and then the ending also like amused me. Like you have Captain America comes and picks you up in a ship and Black Cat's there. And I think someone else is in the ship, too. Maybe the Punisher or the Human Torch. I can't remember. I I, I saw it earlier today, but I can't remember what it was now. I just mostly remember. Can you get us Captain America's autograph? <laughs> That's what I always remember. <laughs> I, I know Punisher and Daredevil were in the next scene where you have like them playing the poker game, and it's all the characters that you run into throughout the game, and so they're playing poker, and then it shows the villains in prison also playing like they're well, they're playing Go Fish. <laughs> That, that I was, a bingo. It, uh, that this is a little, this is a little thing like that, and I'm like, okay, this is very amusing. What I find it so funny now is I'm watching um, the Star Wars Bad Batch on Disney Plus, and like the the guy who does the voice of all of the clones, D. Bradley Baker, is the voice of Carnage, Lizard, and Rhino in this. Oh. <laughs> So when I hear Wrecker on Bad Batch, I'm like, that's just the Rhino. Like, it's the same character as that game. It's just like this kind of lovable doofus. And even like something like as I watch Clone Wars over the past years and he, and um, you hear some of like the alien voices and some of them kind of sound pretty like a lizardist. I'm like, oh, that's the lizard from Spider-Man. <laughs> it's the same voice actor all the time. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I bad batches. I've been watching that too. It's it's not bad. I'm not sure how I feel yet, but yeah, I don't know if they really need the plucky kid sidekick. That's no, kind of like it's not as good as I feel like as Rebels was or Clone Wars itself. But it could just be that the fact that the era that it's in. Yeah, but, uh, it could get better. Like those shows kind of had like a little bit of a oh yeah shaky start, so everything can get better and people find their footing and stuff like that. It's probably also better to watch it like because I watch Rebels and Clone Wars. I just binged them all. And this I have yeah. to watch weekly and I'm not liking it as much. Yeah, I didn't reason. watch Clone Wars until I think it was because I kind of kind of had a falling out with Star Wars like a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of. <laughs> but then like the Mandalorian came out and like Fallen Order came out and they kind of re-released Pod Racer. And I was like, <laughs> OK, yeah, I'm back in the Star Wars again. So then um, I was like, OK, I'm going to watch Clone Wars. And then I. I was like, well, I mean, I'm stuck at home. I have a lot of time on my hands. Like, mm-hmm. why shouldn't I watch Clone Wars? And then, then when I was done that, I'm like, OK, I'm going to watch Rebels. So when Bad Batch came out, I was like, OK, I'm right ready for this now. Rebels is really, really good, I think. I'm a big yeah. fan of Rebels. Because I had watched Rebels after because I uh, was like, I can't watch 140 episodes of Clone Wars. But Rebels, I got in on the ground level. But then. It, it means so much more once you watch the Clone Wars. Yeah, it's such a continuation of it, where if you hadn't, it wouldn't make as much sense. But you can enjoy it without having watched the other one, but watching the other one just makes it a little bit or that much better. Yeah. Are any last things we should say about the game before we go on to uh, questions, comments, or memories? I, I appreciate games that use that have a plot device. <laughs> That masks technical limitations. Oh, like the 
Because at the start of the game, it's like, okay, like, Doc Ock has this, like, fog that's blanketing the city, which is just, like, the fog they use to hide the fact that they can't go down the street level. So when they try to, like, incorporate, like, a technical limitation and give it, like, a narrative reason as to why it's there, like, it's annoying that it's like, why can't I go down to the city or the street level? It's like, well, because it doesn't exist and here's why. Okay, I think I missed it when they said that too. I saw the fog, and I think I, but I didn't realize that that's why you couldn't go down. Like I knew there was some reasoning, but I didn't really pay attention. Yeah, and it's amazing because in in uh, Enter Electro, they have level three. You can kind of go from like buildings down to the street. So it's kind that's of astounding cool. what they can do or what they manage to do in like a year. I, I'm definitely going to check out Enter the elect- Enter Electro. I'm very curious now. Yeah, you're definitely going to have to use save states, save states a lot more for that one. It's yeah, that's fine. It has like a lot of great set pieces, but it's really harder, and it has some really brutal checkpoints. Yeah, this game seemed like it had decent checkpoints, though. I didn't yeah, really see them. Like, for like the Carnage fight, like I mean, you use save states, but when you die, you just go back to the like the beginning. That's not bad then. Yeah, there's always like like the one of my favorite points. Is the sewer fight where you're just flipping the switches and swinging back and forth? <laughs> yeah, I just really like the music. That's something that I think we never really talk about. Is like how great the music is in this game. I'm not the best for that. That's why <laughs> I don't really listen to game music. All. I mean, I do of a certain era, but if it isn't the game that I played as a kid, I just don't. I just my brain doesn't just ignores it for some reason. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, because um, <laughs> I mean, he's a bit of a controversial figure now if you follow what's happening in gaming but the music was done by Tommy Tallarico. Is that the guy for the chameleon thing? Or Kamiko? The Amico, yeah. Amico, yeah. I okay. know him because uh, I being Canadian, Victor Lucas is kind of like our video game god up here. Okay. And he used to be on the electric playground, so that's where I know him. And then I found out that over the years, just doing research, like, okay, this guy did the music for, like, Aladdin on the Genesis and Spider-Man <laughs> and, like, this amazing soundtrack. I think it's Terminator, the Terminator for Sega CD. And, like, at the end, during the credits, when they kind of have, like, a remix version of the 60s Spider-Man song, it's, like, so cool. But he, like, loved Spider-Man. So this is, must have been, like, a huge passion project for him. I actually... Um, I saw video games live here, and I think it was 2018. I got him to autograph my Dreamcast copy. (laughs) (laughs) I only know of him from the CU podcast, mentioned his name sometimes. That's where I've heard of him before. Yeah, he's done a lot of stuff, and now recently it's kind of just like some... I don't know yeah. what's happening. I just it's not kind of a place to get into it here. Just <laughs> no, you're all good. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just know a little. It just sounds kind of odd. We'll just say yeah. that. <laughs> that's a good way to put. Uh, that's funny though. I mean, the music was. I guess it was fine. I mean, I didn't really pay too much attention to it. I actually played most of this game with podcasts on because that's how I play games. Like it, it fits a lot of like kind of like the like especially during the police chase. There's like this energy that's in the music that really kind of want to makes you like. Just go, 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 go. And everything kind of just like fits each scenario. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, it what I was listening to seemed pleasant, so didn't bother me. Then again, most of us. Usually my co-host is better for that when it comes to music. I'm, I'm, the, I'm not the guy. Yeah, I can't really <laughs> intelligently speak on it. I kind of leave that to like Josh Sutton from Panels of Pixels, who actually like is a musician and can speak on it smarter than me. I just know kind of what I like. 
And I've always dug the music in Spider-Man. Like, it's something that I find myself humming all the time, even, like, getting ready to do this today. I just was, like, yeah. singing. Like, my parents are probably, like, looking at me being like, what is this on? guy doing? <laughs> what is he singing? All right. Well, I'm going to go to questions, comments, remember. I did ha- I do have a few, because I posted this in a, four different groups. And I actually got, I got, a, I got more feedback than I was expecting. So, from first one from the I watched the entire Overblood Super Replay from Justin McElwee. Great Spider-Man game. I rented the heck out of it as a kid. The web swinging was so unique at that time that it felt awesome to play. Even the limitations of the generation, Perpetual Fog, couldn't hold this one back. I'm sure you're just talking about, but I mean, hey, I, I, like you said, I like it when they give a reasoning for having that, not just having it there. <laughs> yeah, it's like this and Silent Hill are probably like the biggest example. Oh, yeah. We're going to give context to Distance Fog. <laughs> and from Simeon Moore, my first Spider-Man, one of the better ones out there, even if it's hella old. <laughs> You know, lockable costumes were fantastic to see and run around. The story was dumb Marvel nonsense, but also felt like a bunch of episodes of 90s cartoons strung together. He's not wrong. <laughs> well, I mean, they have a lot of the voice cast. Is, um, Rina Romano was Spider-Man, and he was the voice of the character on Spider-Man Unlimited. And then Jennifer Hale was Black Cat, and she was Black Cat in the 90s show. And Efren Zimblash Jr., the late Efren Zimblash Jr., probably pronouncing his name wrong, is Doc Ock. And that also carried over from the cartoon as well. Oh, that's cool. That makes sense. I mean, they already had, you know, these actors, they knew them, so why not use them again for something else? Yeah. All right, from Walter Eady. It was my very first console video game. My parents were very against video games growing up, so I didn't get a PlayStation until my uncle bought us, bought us one when I was 12. I played it for so I played it so much for so long that it were if it were to pop in right now, I'd still know every control, every combo, and exactly where to go on every level. And it had a what if mode, which we have not talked about yet. Yeah, it's not something that I really played around with. And I before I started recording, I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna try this. I know people talk about it with such fondness, and then it's like really cool. Like I think like in the Carnage fight in the water, you see like Namor in the background. Okay, that's. And cool. then in the in the bank vault, it's like Hans was here. I'm like, is this a Die Hard reference? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I know. I know. There's also a different level where the Silver Surfer flies by, and you're on a blimp that's getting shot by the police or something. Yeah, and I think uh, Ghost Rider goes up the side of a building at some point as well. <laughs> I was gonna try it, but I just, I ran out of time. Yeah, before I had got a chance to. Which is interesting because. Uh, Neversoft was actually making a Ghost Rider game and got canceled. Oh, so they probably had the already had the 3D model, so they yeah. used it for this. That's cool. And Ghost Rider is one of those the character I'm not super fond of. But no there is, I know, I have Diego Rivera, who is um, he does a lot of videos about this stuff, and he loves Ghost Rider. I just I never read any of his comics, so that could be why. But I've I've seen the movies. I'm just not a big fan of the character, but. How could you not love the character after seeing Nicolas Cage as Ghost Rider? <laughs> First movie's fine. The second movie is god-awful. What? I think the exact opposite. It's like Ghost Rider as seen through the makers of Crank. <laughs> <laughs> I've only saw it once in theaters, and I remember hating it, but I have not seen it since. One uh, I mean, they're, they're both terrible, but they're both kind of terrible in a fun way. <laughs> it was that era. Uh, yeah. From Nathaniel Vaughn. I remember having the N64 version and loving it until I found out about how much the better the PS PS1 version was. Oh, yeah. The N64 version. Um, that was, I remember I played the PlayStation 1 first, and then I was going to get a PlayStation 1 for Christmas, the ONE. And then I um, I was at the rental store, and I was like, eh, I'm going to rent out Spider-Man. And I brought it home, and 
especially after like as in 99 like resident evil 2 came out and it had all the fmvs and everything and i was like oh it'll probably have all this stuff they've learned how to do that and then i got spider-man and all the cutscenes are just like panels i'm like uh what <laughs> where's all the cutscenes? Oh, and the controls are really weird like i think uh b is zip so you think that's like a punch but it's like one of the c buttons it's really clumsy to play on that on the n64 but it has a red card that's pretty cool i mean 64 is it's very hit and miss sometimes i feel when you go back to it that controller is just not good yeah people have done like i have the uh, brawler 64 and i think there's a few others and people have like made better mouse traps in that regard all right, from Jerry Floyd. I never beat this game, but I played a ton. The second game, Enter Electro, was also amazing, which I need to play now one day. And from Aaron Martinez, what if mode is the first replayability feature I experienced as a young gamer? I was blown away by Stan Lee's narration of the new random things. And last one I'm going to read from this group, from Andrew Burns. My introduction to Spider-Man as a kid, and I couldn't get enough of it. One of my top most played PS1 games, though I doubt it holds up as well today. Standout moments include the sewer levels and the big climb of the skyscraper getting hounded by the SWAT helicopter, which we did not talk about. I did like that little part. Yeah, me too. It was actually, um, if I ever, I mean, I don't know if it'll ever happen, <laughs> but I know the creative director on Marvel Spider-Man's name is Brian Intahar. I know him from EGM, where he used to write. Because there's a level in, and he's he's uh, he's admitted that he's a fan of this game. And there's a level in Marvel Spider-Man where you're climbing up the side of a building and you have to avoid spotlight. And I always wanted to ask if this was in, if that was inspired by this game. It sounds like it. I mean, I can't remember the 2018 Spider-Man that well anymore because it's been a couple of years since I played it. But yeah, I think it's like one point where you have to like sneak into Oscorp and you're just like climbing up the side of a building and it's like. There's those like searchlights and they're going around. And I was like, this seems like it's an homage to <laughs> Spider-Man, but it could just be a coincidence. That was a cool part, though. Just where you had to go, where you're being chased by the helicopter and you just climb up this building, they're shooting everything. I, I did like that. Yeah, it's just clever level design for using your powers. All right. And then I got a couple from the Giant Bomb group uh, from Michael Trevino. Great game that had amazing costumes. I remember this is how I learned about the Scarlet Spider, and I still think it's my favorite Spider-Man costume. Another thing we haven't really mentioned yet, this game, well, we did mention a little, this game has a lot of different costumes you can play as, which give you different features. Yeah, like there's the uh, the Peter Parker costume, where I think you can only hold two, um, you can only hold two cartridges, oh. but you can't get any more. <laughs> so some of them offer, like, new challenges, while others, like, I think the Captain Universe costume that you unlock by finishing on a hard just makes you invulnerable. Okay, yeah, that, that's cool. I guess that's your reward for going through all the, like, beating the game on hard mode. Yeah. <laughs> and from Brian Davies, El Knots was a cheat to unlock everything. I remember sitting in my older brother's room surrounded by his Spider-Man comics and just looking at all the art, comics, and costumes in the game and loving it. Yeah, that's and, something that's really cool, too, is that, I mean, you might miss a lot of comics and, and stuff on your first go-around, so there's always stuff to go back for, and it was so nice to kind of see, like, all of those issues. I, I always wished, just back then, I didn't understand like technical limitations and disk space <laughs> it's like why didn't you just put the comics in here um, <laughs> i want to read them on my tv screen but it's just i don't know there's only so much space on a cd rom yeah i mean now they could easily i think there is i think there there might be a some game that actually has it i i don't know it might be the amazing spider-man i could I be mistaken that, that did do something had did have comic 
maybe not the whole issues, but it had panels that you could yeah. read and stuff. Because I vaguely remember that. I, I beat it once. It's been, God, over six years at this point. But I remember something of that vaguely in my head. Yeah, I mean, that is uh, approaching 20 years. No, not 10 years. Uh, yeah, I was going to say it ain't that old. <laughs> <laughs> the first movie game will be 20 years next year. I do want to play the first movie game. I've never played that one or two. Uh, you haven't played Spider-Man 2? No, I, I I really didn't get into Spider-Man games. I played the SNES one, like Maximum Carmen, Separation Anxiety, that terrible Spider-Man the X-Men game, and it wasn't until I feel like the 360 that really got me back into them, like Web of Shadows. And I did play Ultimate Spider-Man. I enjoyed that, but I, I, I missed the movie once for some reason. I will say, uh, if you still have a 360... I do. I'm not sure if they work on Xbox One, but you can play Spider-Man One and Two on X uh, on 360 via backwards compatibility. All and the old if, Xbox copies. Yes, and okay. with the first Spider-Man movie game, there is an extra mission with Craven the Hunter that's exclusive to the Xbox version. Oh, so if if you've never played it, that's the one that you, that you should get. Okay. Spider-Man Two might be hard to go back to because I think. Like Marvel Spider-Man has just made it so much more streamlined. <laughs> oh, but it's I'm, nice I'm, to go back and just like, this is where it all began. Like the whole open world swinging. I 100% plan to to play Spider-Man 2 at some point, though. Maybe not Xbox and play the PS2 version, which I can do on my PC, but at one point. Yeah. Uh, from Andrew R. R. An absolute classic. I played through a dozen times over Stan Lee's voiceover. Tying in dozens of Marvel characters and having good feeling combat and web swinging damage is good ass video game. And the chase at the end is just great. I never played the sequel, which is which is good, too, apparently, but I just never tried it. Neither have I, sir, but I'm going to soon. And I got two more groups to read from one from the PlayStation one and two collectors, modding, technical and discussion. Uh, first comment from Marcus Dodd. Why do you think Spider-Man 2 Enter Electro was only released on PS1 after the success of this game? After the success of this one? But not being on 64, I think is what he means. I'm assuming maybe they couldn't Well, handle. 2001, the GameCube was around the corner and the Dreamcast was dead. Oh. <laughs> so I think that had a lot to do with it. I'm assuming it was probably, it probably didn't have much of a budget. I, could, I mean, I'm just spitballing because it was probably just like that year was GameCube, Xbox, second year PS2. So it was probably just someone saying like, well, there's probably a few people who still can't afford these things. So let's make this in the meantime. It was that year was X-Men Mutant Academy 2 and Enter Electro. And they were kind of just used a lot of the same assets. Oh, that makes sense. Then. And Enter Electro had a problem where, I mean, it's kind of well known that the last fight took place on the World Trade Center and they had to recall a lot of the discs. Oh, yeah. So you just change out the ending then? Yeah. And I think like um, some people in the press, like I, I think Phil Theobald from Player One Podcast mm. actually has like the preview disc of that Ender Electro where it has that fight intact. Oh, that's cool. I mean, it's just like, you know, that's something that, you know, not going to happen in video games. Like I know Urban Strike has a level back in the old Genesis game where you have the World Trade Center getting attacked. Yeah, so, that was probably fine back then. But after like... Yeah. I mean, Ezra Electro was supposed to come out, I think, in September. I think it got delayed in like a month or two. Oh, yeah, that that makes perfect sense. He's not, you wouldn't want to have something like that, especially that soon. Yeah. I mean, even now, it's something you would stay away from, I feel. Well, that's like the first Spider-Man tr- teaser, as I mentioned. It's like Spider-Man 
making a web and snaring a helicopter between the two towers. And it's probably archived on YouTube, but they definitely pulled down that teaser for a long time. Yeah. It's one of the things that, you know, we just, <laughs> you don't have anymore. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then from Andrew Johnson, this was the first true game I ever played, though it was the PC version. And from Tom Burgess, brilliant game, played it through many times with my brother. And when we were kids, still have a great story, a variety of villains and boss battles. And the enemy variation, I mean, they're all kind of just whatever goons of whoever you're fighting, but they were, I mean, they're easy to, besides the Carnist symbiotes, they were just goons. You just punch and kick. Yeah, you have like the goons and then the lizard people. Yeah, and they're a little bit tougher. And then the simios kind of have to be taken out with the fire webbing. So it gives you like new challenges. I started avoiding enemies when I could. And that's something <laughs> I forgot to bring up. There was um, when the first movie came out, they had a version of this game that they released in serials, I believe. And it was the first level of this game. Only the outfit is from the first movie. Oh, yeah, I, I haven't played the PC version, but that's on my bucket list. I want the serial version of Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And just going to read a couple more from this group from Michael Otto. It is extremely true to the character as he was in that era, but the controls feel really clunky now. Still manages to be fun. Yeah. Yeah, I get just... that. The, the, ca- the camera is uh, problematic. All right. And last one from this group from BT Croswell. And yeah, I agree with you. The camera was a little. I had some yeah. issues. Uh, I love that game to death as a child, but it has aged hard. Whatever you do, do not play it on max difficulty because the boss difficulty is playing broken in places and it really exaggerates the frustrating lack of camera controls. It's miserable that way and forces you to be cheap slash exploity to survive. Also, when you start moving, he'll keep going that way as long as you keep holding the directional pad down, no matter how the camera moves. But if you let go of the D-pad, then the directions can change based on the new camera's perspective. (laughs) Yeah, play uneasy, earn the symbiote suit, and if you want to try harder difficulties, go that way. But I would say always play uneasy. <laughs> <laughs> and the last group I'm going to read is from the official Laser Time community, and from John Harrington. Hey, I always wondered, can you control the symbiote? No. <laughs> but I do like that. <laughs> that, that. That amused me when I saw that. And from <laughs> Michael D., until the PS4, this was the best Spider-Man game. I disagree, but I can see why people think that. I like, I, it's up there uh, for me. It's like this and Shattered Dimensions, and it's definitely in like my top five. It it kind of fluctuates up and down. Like sometimes I will say Ultimate Spider-Man, and sometimes I'll say this. But like I I do really love this game. No, it still it it still holds up. I didn't have. I mean, we go back and play a lot of old games, and there are some games that just do not age well. And this this was still fine. Yeah, I mean, like, I went, when I was writing the Avengers and video games, like, I went back and played, like, the Pantheon saga, and, oh, What is the Pantheon saga? It's an Incredible Hulk game, but it's an overhead action game, and the Incredible Hulk looks like he's made out of silly putty. It's really (laughs) bad. (laughs) Okay, I'm looking it up right now. I never heard of it before. Yeah, it's on, uh, well, you should pick up the Avengers and video games. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, oh, it's yeah, DOS it's on game. Saturn on Saturn PS1 and PC. Oh, okay, you're right. This looks really bad. Yeah, it does. But it's a game that gracefully lets you finish it on easy. As I know, there's some. I have like the Punisher on Sega Genesis, and if you put it on easy at mm-hmm. level four, and it's like, oh, play on normal, and I'm just like, oh, come on. <laughs> that was a thing back then, though. Not you mentioned there yeah. were multiple games, and I always hate that so much. Yeah. 
Like, like, oh, we've got this far. Challenge on the other difficulties. Punisher game's pretty good, though, I think. Two players, because you can play Nick Fury and Punisher. That's not a bad game. Yeah, it's it's an expensive one. Oh, Oh, I went up in price, I take at this point, then? Yeah, I I have a story about that one, because my friend used to work in a in a video game store and someone traded in a bunch of games and he kind of fiddled with the numbers and just kind of took in the Punisher for free. <laughs> and he's like, here you go. Here's the Punisher. And it has like the box and the manual. And now that version, like with the box and the manual, it's at least $500. Ooh. Yeah. It's just cheaper to buy the arcade one up machine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's, that's funny though. I mean, that's just how video game collecting goes, I guess at this point. Yeah. All right. And this one from Leonardo Chavez. I played this on the N64 and for a year did not know how many cutscenes I did not get to see due to limitations of the Nintendo cartridge. <laughs> and I'm going to read two more and we'll be done with this section from Loot Betty. I got this game. I got that game for my 10th birthday and playing the demo a ton. I loved it, but I remember being super disappointed I could beat it in like a day. It did have a ton of awesome extras that made up for the short length, though, like the what if mode. And then last comment, Artemis Clyde. I remember the, the awesome tutorial. Yeah, I barely heard that tutorial. Yeah, if you just run into the question marks, I think it does put some controller prompts on screen. It does a little bit, but it, yeah, but it's it expects not, you to listen. Yeah. Which was hard when you don't have sound. <laughs> all right, and that has all the questions comp memory we have, so we're going to go on a shelf stacker box. Uh, shelf means something you really like. Stack means something you're, you know, kind of that gray area you're not sure, and box means something you didn't like. And I'll go first. I'm going to put this on the shelf. I, I, I came into this game having no expectations, no real thoughts. I'm just like, okay, well, I'll play the Spider-Man game because I have to because it's on the show. <laughs> and it, I was really into it. Like, it, it, it surprised me how much fun it still held up for a PlayStation 1 game. Because some PS1 games that we have played for the show just do not hold up at all. And this one was still a good game. It wasn't bad. It wasn't... It was fun. The controls are sure a little clunky, but... That yeah, was whatever. I still had a great time and I'm putting on the shelf and I'm really glad I got to play it finally. Yeah, I mean, it's I would I would do the same. Um, I'm kind of with the sentiments of when you just think of someone back in the day who didn't have a lot of money to kind of buy it and just kind of finish it. I see that a lot because I know there's like a lot of games like the, the most recent Resident Evils are not that long, but they're meant to be played over and over again. But that's kind of not how a lot of people consume games nowadays. No, no. Um, because, like, for me back then, like, I really wanted this game, but, like, to have $50, it's like, well, I got to kind of buy something that's going to take me, like, a little bit longer to finish. But, like, that being said, like, I played this game so many times over the years. Like, I would just throw this on any time of, like, in a month, just be like, ah, I'm just going to play Spider-Man. It's not a huge commitment. I'll knock down a couple of hours and have some fun and forget about it. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, that's it's a game I could definitely see myself going back to at some point down the road and just playing it again. Yeah, I mean, it's like I love Marvel Spider-Man, but then it's like you'd be starting a new file and that. And it's like, okay, <laughs> I have to make like a 30-hour commitment to see this through to the end. Yeah, it's not a short game. I mean, like when I was a kid, I used to play a lot of uh, PlayStation 1 RPGs because those would last me forever. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's <laughs> how we kind of used to do things as well. Like I would almost have to like, if I wanted a game, I had to make a business case to my parents that I wouldn't finish <laughs> it in like a day because I really wanted like Star Fox 64 and I rented it out and like I had my N64 in the living room. My parents like, we just saw you get to the second last level on one go. I'm like, <laughs> no, but I play it over and over again. But they're like, no, you can just rent it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, so you put this game on the shelf, I assume, then? Oh, for sure. <laughs> All right. And that about, I think that's, and then everything I need to say for that. But I should introduce what we're talking about next week. So next week is also uh, Mike's pick. Uh, we're playing Shadow of Rome for PS2, a game I've never played before. Me neither. I kind of know about it. I know it's kind of the... Uh, it's brutal. Keiji Inafune doing his... Because um, it was like kind of his historical phase where he did Anamusha and then it was this one. It's. I've started playing it already this week and it's, it's, it's tough. It's a very tough game. A lot of stealth? Is that... Yeah, it, it goes from gladiator combat to stealth combat. And you switch off in two different characters that are doing things. It's not bad. It's hard, but it's not bad. I'd rather be playing Spider-Man. <laughs> I would, yes. <laughs> I don't. It's always been on my list to play, so I'm happy we're, I'm finally getting to knock that off, just like this game was kind of on my list. Always. Well, this wasn't on my list at all, but I'm glad it. I'm glad I played it. But yeah, no, and we'll, well, we'll see how it goes when I finally beat it, hopefully this week. Yeah. And that brings us to, and since you're our guest, do you want to uh, plug where people can find you at? Sure, you can find me uh, on Twitter at Blarcade. It's just Arcade with a BL in front. Um, you can visit my website, comicbookvideogames.com. The theme is pretty self-explanatory. Where you can read all of my work there. And then um, at the top of the page, there's links to my two books, The Web of Spider-Man Games and The Avengers and Video Games. And then also there's a link that's I have a label as respected affiliates. And there you'll find work from Panels the Pixels, uh, Chris Baker, Diego Rivera, Godzilla Mendoza, and uh, Play Comics and Comics on Consoles, which are two podcasts about comic book video games. So you can read all my stuff and then find a bunch of stuff from other talented people. All right. And there'll be links in the show notes for all that. And also, we have a Patreon now. Right now, each month, you can you can take part in our Patreon poll that we're doing. Uh, this month is animated movie. You can either vote if we're going to be watching Batman, Master Phantasm, the TMNT, Turtles Forever, uh, Green Lantern, First Flight, or the Marvel Hulk first movie. So as little as a dollar, you can go onto our Patreon. You will see a link in the show notes. And you can go and vote in our poll. All right. And then I also want to give a shout out to our awesome intro and outro, courtesy of Bobby, a.k.a. Mike Tony from ZP Bite the Bullet. Song's the cool kid squad. Definitely go check him out. And one thing I forgot to say, we're still on the Patreon thing. Um, if you are at the $10 level, I will give you a shout out every month. Right now, we do have one. Uh, Watt, want to thank you again for helping support the show. And if you have something to plug, as little as $10 a month, you get four plugs from me on the podcast for your for your podcast or YouTube show. So definitely check us out on Patreon. And please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. We are on YouTube finally. So you can just see all the audio content on there. So definitely or hear all the audio content, I should say. So definitely go check that out. And I also want to give one last shout out to our buddy Bill Tucker, who's on the Marvel MCU with me. And he does the uh, his podcast is live. A gamer looks to 40. So definitely go check him out. And that's everything I need to say tonight. So we will see you guys all next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.